You're listening to Guitars and Granola Bars, episode 26. Thank you so much for joining me here on Guitars and Granola Bars, Music Therapists Talk Motherhood. I'm your host, Rachel Rambach, and this podcast is for music therapists and anyone else balancing a passion-fueled career with being a mom. This podcast is sponsored by Music Teachers Helper, the best way to manage your private music lesson studio and or music therapy practice. I've used Music Teachers Helper every single day since 2011, and it is one of the best tools I have to keep my private practice running smoothly. Music Teachers Helper is online scheduling and billing software, which you can access from your computer, laptop, tablet, and smartphone, and saves you hours every month, enables you to generate reports for taxes, and ensures you never lose track of a payment. Once you add a student, which is super easy, you can choose to automatically send students custom invoices that can be paid by credit card if you make that an option. Automatically email lesson and session reminders, late payment notifications, notes, and so much more. So many amazing features, I can't even list them all here. Every user also receives a free, easy-to-build website template to help market your studio or private practice. Ditch the costly web designer or programmers and have complete control over your website content. With dozens of professional templates available, you'll be sure to find one that best expresses your style. Whether you have 5 or 50 students, Music Teachers Helper works with studios and practices of all sizes. They offer a 30-day no-risk trial where you can test it out to discover how much time you'll be saving. If you use the link in the show notes or go to www.musicteachershelper.com slash podcast, you'll save 20% off your first month if you choose to sign up after the trial. In this episode, I'm chatting with Michelle Erfurt. Michelle is a music therapist and virtual assistant who has a passion for helping people. Her professional life began by providing music therapy services in hospitals and hospice agencies while being active online with the Music Therapy-Centered podcast and blog. After the birth of her son two years ago, Michelle has left the clinical side of things to focus on her online pursuits. She's the co-owner of musictherapyebooks.com, an online bookstore that promotes ebooks written by music therapists. Michelle also offers virtual assistant services to busy private practice owners so that they can devote their professional time to working with others. When Michelle isn't working, you can find her at home with her son watching Curious George. All right, Michelle, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you, Rachel. This is a very nice treat to be. It is. Well, and this is not our, (laughs) this isn't our first uh, rodeo as podcast um, buddies. We have been podcasting for what, five years now? Is that right? I think so. Yeah. Well, we've just been together for a while. We have. Yeah. Michelle <laughs> Michelle, and I go way back. We host the Music Therapy Roundtable podcast together and that's where we both got our start with podcasting and we also host the Music Therapy Pro podcast and Aside from that, we're just great friends. So this is like a chat right. with my BFF. <laughs> Yay, me too. Yeah. 
Well, so Michelle and I were joking um, before I hit record because I was saying, well, I already know all the answers to all these questions, but I'm going to ask them anyway because those of you listening probably don't. So that being said, let's start with you giving us some background about how you came to be a music therapist. Oh, how I came to be a music therapist was something that I'm learning is my uh, is similar to a lot of people where just on some rare occasion when I was in high school, I learned that something named music therapy existed. And so I just went to school for it. It was just one of those fluke things. So I went to Slippery Rock University in Western PA, which uh, not very many people know that school, but if you do, you're one of the good ones because it's a great school. <laughs> but um, I started out, my career-wise, I've really kind of dabbled in a little bit of everything. I started out working with adults diagnosed with intellectual delays in residential care, and then I moved on to working with uh, people in the hospital and in uh, hospice populations. At what point in your career did you decide that the time was right for you to start a family? You know, I don't know that I ever did that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I've career-wise, I just always felt busy um, because I was working and then I had a lot of online ventures that we had talked about before with the podcast and online things. And I think it was just one of those things where my husband and I were married for a while and we're like, okay, we've, we got the dog, we got the house. I guess it's time to make some babies. So it wasn't so much that um, it was a right time or a wrong time. It was just time. <laughs> so yeah, we, yeah. So we went to work. <laughs> I, I know how that goes. And <laughs> Kind of the same thing with me too. It was like all of my friends were starting to get pregnant and have babies and it was kind of like the logical next step. And Mm -hmm. you know as well as I do because you've worked in private practice too that, um, you know, there's always more work to be done and there's always room for growth and projects that you have on your plate and it's hard to, you know, push some of that aside and make room for having a baby and going through the pregnancy and all that comes with it. Right. Like no time ever seems like the right time. Right. So you just have to do it. Exactly. And you can never be <laughs> but, prepared um, and you just have to jump in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So what was it like working while you were pregnant? Well, it's really funny because I don't know if you realize this, but you and Kimberly – were the first people to find out that I was pregnant because we did our annual meeting of the minds where we get together to talk about the podcast and Music Therapy Pro. That's right. I think that was the year we started Music Therapy Pro. No, I think it was the following year because that was the year that we were at Uh, my house in Springfield. At your house. Mm -hmm. And so I was, I don't remember how far along I was, but I was not very far. Like it was when you don't tell when you don't publicly tell people you're pregnant and I felt horrible and grouchy and I felt like the worst person (laughs) being (laughs) your guest in your house and like all I wanted to do was throw up and sleep but (laughs) you were a trooper though we we fit a lot in that weekend we did a photo shoot we went out to dinner you were the designated driver (laughs) yes gladly (laughs) yes yes you were a trooper 
Mm-hmm. But really what I learned was working uh, was really the best thing for me through the entire pregnancy. Because if I wasn't, if I didn't have that distraction, I would just think about how horrible I felt. And I didn't even have a a bad kind of sick pregnancy. Uh, I've had friends who have had much worse time than me. But I was working in a hospital then, so I was very busy and walking around. And I think having that activity around me was the best thing um, for me to keep my mind off of being pregnant and feeling sorry for myself. <laughs> Isn't I that feel funny? And I was so tired. I had the same experience <laughs> where I just felt nauseous and sluggish and just generally gross throughout the day. But then I would go to work mm-hmm. and I would be fine. And then I would right. come home and I'd be right back to that, you know, awfulness. So I, I had mm-hmm. that same experience. And you were working in the hospital. So was it challenging to um, to work with patients and to have, you know, to be able to walk around the hospital and, and do all that stuff that comes with working in that environment? No, I didn't have a problem with that at all. My colleagues were fantastic. Everyone just wanted me to be comfortable. And my patients were very gracious. Um, if it was late in the day, they'd say, don't come now, come see me tomorrow because you look tired. (laughs) (laughs) Especially at the end of the day, I did look tired. But uh, everyone was really wonderful about doing, just supporting me and doing what I needed to do to get through the day. Yeah. So I had a great experience. Um, and I didn't, um, I, I didn't really have any uncomfortable times other than sometimes I'd have to, something heavy to pick up, but I would just ask someone else to pick it up for me. It was just never a big deal. Uh, and it was a little tricky at times cause I live in Florida and so it would get very, very hot, <laughs> but really, um, I can't really say that I had any difficulties. I guess, I think I'm one of the lucky ones. Um, but I think it helps that I, a lot of the work that I did was, um, processing work or helping people with pain management. Uh, my hospital didn't have a large pediatric population. So it wasn't like I was sitting on the floor or any of those kinds of situations, um, where I'd have to be in really small spaces (laughs) or anything like that. Um, I definitely had a good setup for myself. Yeah. Well, and one thing I remember about your pregnancy and that I admired was that you were such a Zen pregnant lady. Like you were so just chill and happy and you had that, that pregnancy glow that people talk about pregnant women having. I did. You really did. I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> because I am not a Zen person. Like, <laughs> like I think I think I lack some kind of hormone. Honestly, like I had this discussion with one of my doctors because I was telling him, why was I so chilled out when I was pregnant? Because normally I'm very high strung and anxious. And he's like, well, maybe one of the hormones that gets increased when you're pregnant is something you lack in your normal life. And That's like, interesting. I still haven't investigated that, but I think he's onto something because um, it was bizarre. Like, I remember being pregnant and being like, now I understand why people want to be pregnant all the time. Like, yeah. <laughs> like some people, like <laughs> ladies just love having babies. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you were what, like 27 weeks or so at conference. And I just remember being in awe of, you know, just how 
um, uh, uh, chill you were. I mean, that was the, really the perfect word for it because you just always had a smile on your face and you just looked so pleasant and you seemed so happy. You were like exuding this pregnancy glow. <laughs> yeah, it was some chemicals. There's some really great chemicals were like I was high on baby. <laughs> what was happening? Uh, and the funny thing was when we were at conference together, I was also pregnant, but I was very, very newly pregnant. And mm. I was not feeling zen and happy and calm. I was on the opposite side of that spectrum. So I was a little jealous of, of your... <laughs> well, I would have been too if I was in your place. Because I certainly, but I remember seeing you and how you didn't feel well. And I remember thinking, oh, I'm so glad that part is over. <laughs> yeah, that's the part nobody enjoys. Yeah. For sure. So, well, let's move forward to the point where your son was born. And mm -hmm. what was that whole time like for you as far as wrapping up work at the hospital? How did you leave things with them? when you left for maternity leave? Well, I took maternity leave and I was the only music therapist at that hospital. So um, they didn't find a fill-in or anything like, like that. So I just left for maternity leave. I mean, that's really, I didn't have to find a substitute or I just told the department heads, peace out, I'm on maternity leave. But everyone knew, cause I was huge. You right. know? It was very obvious that I was pregnant. So I just left. It wasn't like I had a lot of planning to do. I think that's one of the joys of hospital working and that particular job, like that workplace. I didn't have any ongoing types of projects or anything that I had to run off. I um, had to complete or I didn't have interns or anything like that. So it was very easy to be done. And so I took, I went on maternity leave. And it was really difficult for me to decide on maternity leave because I really, in the back of my head, really never wanted to go back to work. I wanted to not work 40 hours a week. I did not want to do clinical work. I just wanted to be with my new baby. But then I felt a lot of um, conflict within myself, I guess like professional conflict because I was a music therapist who had a job, which doesn't happen all the time. And it was a great workplace. It wasn't perfect, but it was great. I mean, I had no responsibility in the best possible way. I could go to any department I wanted to. I could go anywhere in that hospital. My supervisor was like, just see patients. I don't care what you do. It was great. Um, and I knew if I left that job, they're just going to find another music therapist. And that's wonderful, but I will never get that job back, you know. Um, but it was a commute and I just didn't, I just wanted to keep moving forward and I didn't want to, the whole idea of even planning, uh, daycare and managing baby life work and all of that was just really overwhelming to me. So my husband was like, just go on maternity leave and you have three months and just decide then if you really want to stay or go or what. And so that's what we did. That's what I did. And I, I started my maternity leave on my due date and I ended up having Eddie a week later. So he was born a week after his due date. So I had that whole week being home, super duper pregnant and uncomfortable, but you know, alone. 
and um, well, alone and not working, not really alone. But as soon as he was born, I looked at him and I was just like, I'm never going back to work like that again. <laughs> like I just didn't. Want to do. I'm like, nope, I don't even I don't want to do that again. I don't want to juggle clients. I don't want to um, I don't want to have that kind of a strict schedule. I need to be more in control. And and so but then I'm like, well, that's fine. So I told my husband, he's like, well, think about it for these three months <laughs> while you're on maternity leave. And at the end of it, then you can tell work you're done. <laughs> so I did. That's what we did. And the whole three months of my maternity leave, I, every day that went by, I was like more and more confident that I didn't want to go back to work. And um, it really was a struggle to come to that decision because the thing that really surprised me, and I remember calling you for counsel on this, was that I was, for some reason, and I don't know why, I had this feeling that I was letting down music therapy by not being a clinician anymore. And I completely understand where you're coming from with that struggle because, and I've had this conversation with other podcast guests, is that music therapy is a unique field in that it's not just a profession. It's like part of us. And once Mm -hmm. you become a music therapist, it's, you know, that clinical piece of it. Um, Who was, I'm trying to think of the, oh, um, Tim Ringgold back in June when we were, um, when I was interviewing him for the podcast, he was saying that music therapists take that clinical piece, not, not necessarily too seriously, but they're so married to the idea of that being the end all be all of music therapy work. When in reality, it's not, there's so many other ways that we can be music therapists. And, um, but I, I see where you're coming from with that struggle. And I've had that too, um, having other kinds of, you know, projects and things that aren't clinical based or clinically based. So, um, so how did you get over that, that conflict? Um, (laughs) I, I don't know how I got over it. I think life just moved on and I just got tired of being conflicted over it. So I dropped (laughs) it. I think that's really what it was. I got over it. I just got over it. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but since then, I'm still in the game, and, and I'm, I'm actually in the music therapy game in the best way that fits my um, talents. Because I don't – the more and more I think about it, I don't think my talent is clinical work. I think my talent is um, helping people in general. Uh, I used to always have a professional and personal mission of helping people with music, but after going through this, I realized – my mission is more broad than that. It's just to help people. And things that I'm really good at are um, socializing, <laughs> which is a skill and uh, good to have. Uh, but socializing and having ideas and having lots of experiences with online work to help um, boost other people who don't have those experiences. And so that's when I started really diving into the world of being a virtual assistant. And, and I'm getting a lot of clients who are music therapists and really who better to, for a, 
a music therapist to have as a VA, then another music therapist, because you don't have to explain music therapy to me. So if you want a pod, if you want a newsletter that's written about something going on in your clinic or this, you know, five easy ways to use music in the home or whatever, I can write that stuff for you because I already have that same degree as you to do that stuff. To find someone to do that kind of writing for you can be really challenging. And so um, I just kind of found that I can do all this other work that is just completely supporting music therapy and a better use of my talents. So did you find that you missed the clinical piece at all or did you feel really more fulfilled in this new role? I don't miss clinical work at all. Um, (laughs) I really liked doing it when I did it, but I don't miss it. Well, and I love that you say that with no guilt or shame whatsoever. I think that's Mm -hmm. awesome. And I think that empowers other music therapists to feel like it's okay to explore other avenues within the field Mm -hmm. of music therapy, but also beyond the field of music therapy. You know, there's, it's Mm -hmm. not just, you know, the one way to, to be a music therapist. And you're definitely. And I remember when I had, when you and I had talked, when I'm like, what do I do? Because I remember asking you, can I still be on the podcast? Can I still (laughs) be on the music therapy roundtable if I'm not a clinician? And I really was worried that you guys would want me to out. And um, and I remember you saying, are you kidding? (laughs) And and um, no way. Once a music therapist, always a music therapist. And you're right. You're totally right. Mm Yeah, yeah. You you take those experiences with you for the rest of your life, regardless of, you know, where your path takes you. You've always got that prior experience with you. So tell us more about the virtual assistant work that you do now and how you're finding clients and how you're kind of structuring your time because I know that your son is at home with you quite a bit still. Hmm. Right. So with the virtual assistant work, I'm doing um, services that are include um, a lot of writing, content writing. So newsletters, blog posts, if you need it, um, and keeping you in um, kind of like helping people be organized. So if you have a private practice and you want your newsletter to be out consistently every month. I help sending you reminders. And sometimes I even will write an outline of your blog post and your newsletter post. So then the other people can just like fill in their actual ideas, but I kind of write half of it for them or making sure all those are linked up so that they get posted on Facebook and Twitter and all of those things that, um, a lot of private practice people are already doing. They just don't have time to do it because, there's just more and more people and not only just in private practice and in business for themselves, but growing. I mean, I, I, when I think in just over the last year, how many people are having their own clinic space now and having at least two employees or contractors, you know, I think the, the sole proprietor music therapy, private practice person is becoming a thing of the past. They're just more and more and more, they're getting bigger and so my services help support people with that. And then because of the help I do with people with writing, it can I can also help out if you have any 
information that you want to put into an ebook because I also have a website music therapy ebooks that I co-own with Rachel C and we help um sell ebooks that were written by music therapists and so you can put your book on there and we can help sell things for you or if you need resources you can that's your go-to shop to find um books that other music therapists have written like you Rachel <laughs> we have <laughs> yours on there um, so that's really um, the kind of work I'm doing. And the way I'm able to do that is Eddie is in daycare. So it's so funny. Like was it like 10 minutes ago, I was just saying how I didn't want to figure out daycare and juggle work. And now I'm saying, telling you about how I'm working now. And guess what? Eddie's in daycare. Well, but- and we should also <laughs> mention that Eddie is now two and a half and there's yeah. a big, big, big difference between tackling daycare and the thought of, you know, trying to do that with an infant as opposed to a toddler who's yes. a little bit more self-sufficient. Right. <laughs> big difference. Uh, but when I do my work, I don't, I still cannot do anything on a computer in front of him. Like he, can, we, he cannot be in the building if I'm doing something on a computer because I just can't pay attention. So he's in daycare now three days a week. And so that gives me just enough office time that I need to do work. And the great thing about um, just the business side for me is that I can slow and grow my business um, with what helps. So if things are getting tough, I can um, I can schedule things out differently so that I can still accommodate my clients and have the life the lifestyle that I want. And Eddie like loves daycare. He was going two days a week, but he loved it so much. And I was like, yeah, I could do another, I could take another day at home in the office. And we bumped it up and he just like totally loves it. He needs to be around other kids. He's a super social kid for sure. He might be like his mom and dad. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine that. (laughs) So what are some challenges? Because it sounds like things are working out really, really well. But um, I know I have a similar schedule to you where my son goes to daycare three days a week. And then I have um, those other days to – or those days that he's in daycare to work on my business. Um, now it's gotten a little bit harder with a newborn. But mm-hmm. um, but I know that, that still you feel like – there are things that don't get completed in those three days and, and there's still right. that, that overflow. So how do you, how do you manage that? The, the way that I um, manage that is by being really like crazy about my calendar and my schedule. Not so much as um, I just need to plan everything out and section everything out. And I just tell myself I am not allowed to think about work on the days that he's not at daycare. So I don't work at all on those days. And I just make a lot of personal rules for for myself, personal policies. So I don't do virtual assistant work with him around because I'm getting paid by the hour and I don't want to not be at my full potential for those clients. So I don't do work when he's around. And um, that's challenging because I'm always thinking, like you had mentioned about that one task, if I could just do that one task, then I would be done with that project. But I just write it down and I schedule it. Okay, so Wednesday when he's at daycare, that's going to be the first thing on my list. And so I really write 
things down a lot and really schedule when I'm going to work on things. Um, and actually getting the practice into the practice of doing that, um, has been, now it's something that I don't spend a lot of time doing. And it's kind of like I've retrained my brain on how to not stress out about tasks that aren't done. Because now that I've had the experience of planning that out, I understand I really will get that done on Wednesday. And like, I really can shut that door, even though um, initially that can be hard, especially when you work out of your own home, like I do, and you do too, you know, when you can't leave the house. But yeah, writing things down. And I have like an old fashioned calendar book that I actually like write it down. But it's like I only need it for that week to just know. That was going to be my next question. I Because I know that um, a lot of people have certain technologies that they like to use to manage their calendar and their schedule. But you go for the old, the old school route, huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I have – we, Ed and I, my husband, we share the same iCalendar. So iCal. So we have, we put everything in there. That's life. And so then when I am sitting down to work, I pull out the iCal and I pull out my calendar, like my book calendar Mm -hmm. for the week. And I just say, okay, today I'm going to work on this and this, and then Wednesday, this and that. And I know what things are going on and what appointments that we have during the day and it really just flows now that I've been doing this probably how long has Eddie been in daycare maybe only six months now um and, and I've grown I've gotten more clients since saying it, it really does flow so um you just kind of get used to it I think the challenge with all of that is to pick a style or a pick a strategy and you really need to stick with it for a solid four months, (laughs) three or four months um, to really figure out if that's the right strategy for you. Like, don't just do it for a week. You have got to stick with it because then it becomes habit and you're like, this is awesome and it works and I'm going to keep doing it. Right. And I think people, and I will include myself in this category, get caught up in you know, a a new cool way to organize something or a a new Mm -hmm. system. And it's tempting to try it out and to try out the next best thing. But I've found that unless I really – it doesn't matter what system I use. As long as I really commit to it, it's going to work for me. So I think that's a a good point that you make. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So – You've got your mom days where Eddie's home, and then you've got your work days where you're working on your virtual assistant tasks. So when do you find time for you? Well, I um, I do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I put myself first all the time, honestly. I uh, – uh, how do I explain this? So I, I, I mentioned earlier, so I'm like – I don't know if people really know this about me, but I'm actually like really high strung and stressed out all the time. And so I know that in order for me to be healthy, I need to do things to help myself all the time. And I've totally seen it in my family where when I am not feeling like cool, like whether I'm overly tired or you know nothing huge, but just 
overly tired or, you know, mom had a rough day or whatever, I look at my family and I can see, oh, look, now Eddie is having a meltdown and my husband is a little grumbly. And I can totally, I totally know it's because of our whole environment, like we're all feeding off of each other. And so I just do what I need to do to feel better all the time. But because of my anxiety and my uh, like stressful ways, the what really helps me um, and take care of myself is to be organized, and that kind of goes back to my calendar. So this sounds like total like drill sergeant, you know, <laughs> calendar life, but it really isn't like that. But it's just I do so well with routines, um, and just knowing that the morning or like so many certain days are with Eddie and certain days are work. And that is what really helps. But then at the same time, if I just feel like a cup of coffee from a treat from Starbucks, I just go, I don't need to explain that to anyone. So I just get in my car and I go get it. Like what's five minutes to do that when I have like all these tests to do, like they'll still get done and I'll have my coffee and I'll feel great. And, um, so that's kind of how I find self-care. But also, um, because my work is so, um, everything is done online because it's virtual, uh, I really need to be away from computers. And so I started reading more. Um, and I'm just finding that just having that time at night, right before I go to bed, to just take 30 minutes or whenever. I actually just read until I pass out. Just doing that has been just a nice way to calm down my mind because I'm someone who I think and worry all the time that I can't, uh, like I could never do yoga. Like I've done it and I like it, but I couldn't do it long term because I just need to be more active and more physical. And I finally, I got back into running again, uh, but well, I'm off the wagon right now, but maybe tomorrow (laughs) I'll actually start again. (laughs) There's always tomorrow. Yeah, there's always tomorrow. So just trying to find those things that um, I just do them all the time. I don't feel like I need to explain it or schedule it. It's more like I know that if I did this one thing, I would feel 10 times better. So I just do that thing. That inspires me because I am totally the person that's like, okay, on Thursdays at 1230, I will allow myself to do this, this, and this. Yeah, that doesn't work for me. No, and and you know, it has worked for me only because I've like made these rules for myself that are completely, you know, nonsensical. Like who's keeping track besides me? Um, so I'm going to try to be a little bit more spontaneous with my self-care practices. I hope so. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Actually. And another thing that I have started, I guess I have started to do that. I'm just realizing now, and that was just ever since Eddie arrived and I stayed home because, you know, I really haven't been working. I've been working like this more regularly for probably less than a year, six months, six months to a year. Um, and he's two and a half now. So I was spending a lot of time with him every day we were together and we were always finding things to do and and it was fine. And I never felt lonely or anything like that, but there's just a lot of quiet moments in the day when you are a stay at home parent where you got, you know, you and your kid, you're just sitting there at lunch, having lunch, or you're just sitting there and you're watching him play with something and you're kind of bored, but, and you have to remind yourself, I wanted to do this, 
and like I don't know what else I would want to do this doesn't make me want to go back to work but uh you you just have these moments where you're just sitting there and you're like I know I can't do anything because I have a child and if I tried to do real work it wouldn't work and so I found myself kind of practicing or getting onto the idea of more mindfulness like faith Halverson Ramos talks about it all the time just that mindfulness and um, like where we live, we have to drive around a lot, which kills me. But um, so at every red light, I just am thinking about how, yep, we are in the car together and I wanted it to be like this. And this really, I, you know, just taking a moment to look out the window and acknowledging that it is a sunny, beautiful day and not to think about the things on my list or that I just wish Eddie had slept a little longer. And I really hope we can take a nap this afternoon, like get rid of that stuff and be more in the moment and just mindful of what's going on and like really appreciative of what's happening because this is life right now, which I feel like when I say that out loud, that sounds kind of sad, but I don't mean it. It's <laughs> not. Oh, it's so not. And I think it's so wonderful of you to bring this up because it is so true. And I find myself having those moments all the time where even now, you know, I have this brand new baby and, yeah. you know. Oh, especially when they're newborns. Right. They do a lot of sitting together. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And since this is my second baby, I know how fast it goes and I know, you know, that I'll look back because I look back and think about Parker's infancy and oh my gosh I miss him being a little baby and that was such precious time so now I'm trying to be really mindful about that now and think hey you know you shouldn't be sitting here thinking about that email that you have to send or thinking about that project that really needs to get done because this this you'll never have back this is Mm -hmm. a part of your life and a fleeting fleeting moment in your life in the scheme of things that you don't want to wish away and you know be emailing people instead or or posting on facebook or what have you so i love that you bring that up and i think it applies not only to stay-at-home parents and work-at-home parents but just parents in general because you know we all have those moments where you know we're sitting there and we're doing something that's maybe not the most thrilling thing on earth and we have other things that we need to be doing but that should be you know the priority in the moment let's move on from there because i think that is a really great piece of advice do you have any other advice for music therapists who are either becoming parents or have just become parents for that question i want to say don't listen to advice (laughs) because anything (laughs) parenting it's always wrong I just know that if I can give people parenting advice the thing that worked for me and I had to make a lot of mistakes but I figured this out was that um the only things that work doesn't matter what it is if it's the feeding or the sleeping or whatever the only things that worked were the things that I was comfortable doing so only do what you're comfortable and if you're not comfortable if you don't want to ferberize, if you don't want to baby wear, if you don't want to co-sleep, if you don't want to uh, bottle feed, whatever, just don't do it. Just do what you want to do and it will always work because you'll have that confidence behind it. So the baby's like, okay, mom gets it. Mom is cool. So I'm going to be cool. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And I, I feel like the theme to this whole podcast episode is 
to make your own rules and to really just listen to your intuition and um, don't kind of box yourself in and and mm-hmm. feel like you have to structure your life based on how you think it should be lived. And I and one thing that will help with that also is to understand that you don't have to tell people what you're doing either <laughs> because like you don't have to post on Facebook that you tried this and it's not going to work so you're going to do that because you're going to get feedback and you don't need it. <laughs> you really don't need the feedback. Just do what you want to do. We all know you're not hurting your kids. So just do what you want to do. You really don't necessarily need all the feedback. Right. And <laughs> something that I've learned is that you're, you think that people are paying more attention to you than they really are. Yeah. Everybody else is wrapped up in their own lives. So, <laughs> you know, that judgment you think that people are casting on you probably isn't actually happening. That's true too. Yeah. Good yes. point. <laughs> so do you have any projects or news that you'd like to share? Well, I just have that I'm still taking virtual assistant clients, so check me out on michelleerfert.com. And you just uh, redid your website too, right? Yeah, I oh, yeah, that's like a whole other story <laughs> because that was that was the old music there between with all the blog posts and then I redid it. By the way, one of the services I do not provide is website like complete overall hauls for this reason because when I went to redo the website to make it like a virtual assistant website. Oh no, that wasn't it. When I was going to re, I was moving it over to a different hosting. This was before I decided to do virtual assistant, but I was still on maternity leave and I like knew I was going to do something else. It crashed. I lost everything. I didn't lose everything. Like it's all saved somewhere, but like I don't have any of my blog posts. I have nothing. So it's all gone. And it was the most freeing thing of my life. Crash uh, start. Yeah, complete fresh start was so great. So um, that now when you see michelleerfert.com, it's totally new that it just talks about the virtual assistant stuff on it. Um, It's even better that way too, because now all my blog posts are gone and I have all of that in my mind. So I can like write some really great blog posts (laughs) for other people. It's not up there anymore. Yeah. But um, another cool announcement that I just wanted to share with everyone is that um, for the music therapy ebooks website, Rachel C and I are having our annual meeting next week where we just get together and we review how the website's going and check out if our customers are happy and make plans for the next year. And it's always just it, that annual meeting is just always a really fun time. So it's also a great time to be aware of music therapy ebooks com and follow us on Facebook because you'll get to learn about our new plans for the year, which I don't even know what they are, but I will after next week when we meet. <laughs> well, fun stuff. I will include links to both of those in our show notes so that everybody can go check those out and um, learn more about your services and about music therapy eBooks. And last question for you, do you have any favorite products, books, or resources related to either music therapy or motherhood that you'd like to share or recommend? Yes. my This covers both of them, for work and for parenting. And that is, I have this newfound love love relationship with my local library that I like never had before only when I was a kid and my mom used to take me to the library with my little bag and we'd rent out like 15 books you know 
but we go to the library all the time and the, I didn't realize this now, but, um, like the libraries, the services that libraries are providing now are like amazing. And so they always have different classes. Um, the books are great. Um, just if you're in private practice to get ideas or to do story songs if you work with kids and that sort of thing. And then there's always that relationship building that once you start learning your staff, uh, you can do that really important networking if you want to start doing your own groups or classes in there. Um, I can see a library is to be a great place to rent space for occasional group sessions and that sort of thing. And I use my library card every night because they also you can rent ebooks through through your library so like when I say that I read every night um like I read them on my iPad and I'm like constantly reading now because I'm like a total library dork that so is too cool though I did not know that that was a possibility yeah. mm-hmm. all right check out your local library good tip Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Michelle, for being on the podcast and sharing all of your wisdom and tips. Thank you very much, Rachel. It was a pleasure to be on. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to send Michelle a message, you can contact her via email, michelleerfert at gmail.com. Would you like to be a guest on the show? Let me know. Get in touch and find the show notes for this episode at guitarsandgranolabars.com. And I'd really appreciate it if you go over to iTunes and leave a review and rate the show. I'll talk to you again next week.